All right, this is episode number 14 of the Bearded Marketers podcast. This is the only internet marketing podcast that you need to be paying attention to. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. Tonight, we got a good lineup of things to talk about. But first, before we get into all that, my man, what are you drinking? Ooh, we are going straight tonight. Johnny (laughs) Walker Black. Straight, no ice. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. I wish I was a man's man like that. I can't do that every night. Um, I'm just doing Jack and Coke. Okay. That's a a new one for me on the show. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Going back to classics. Great. All right. So first up tonight, we got principle number four of the six principle long series of marketing uh, we're going to talk about authority, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then we're going to move on to sort of a little bit of a technical topic, I guess you could say. Mozilla, with their Firefox browser, is going to start blocking third-party cookies, which I will ex- go into a little bit of detail, explain mm-hmm. what exactly that means moving forward. Yeah, what cookies even mean, but yeah. the implication for us as marketers as sure. well. Um, kind of moving things along, I wanted to cover a topic that actually is pretty close to my heart, which is the small things that make customers happy and how we can use just really small things to kind of change customers' appreciation for a product and really maybe engage them on a social level. Moving on to reinventing the wheel with your marketing. Do you need to? Really? And then lastly, we're going to wrap it up with a uh, an interesting social media event that happened centered around the James Gandolfini uh, unfortunate passing. Yeah. So before we get started tonight, we got a lot of new listeners. Our stats are going through the roof. So we're, first of all, appreciate you guys listening and sending in your feedback. But we do have a small request. Please like and favorite us and write a review on iTunes for yeah, us. It, it really help helps out. the show out. Spread the word. Tell your friends. And again, appreciate all the listens. But if you could do us a small and write us a review, that'd be greatly appreciated. So with that, Let's go ahead and jump in. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been covering Cialdini, who, if you're new to the show, we've been covering his principles of persuasion. So Cialdini has wrote quite a few books kind of on the topic of persuasion and the psychology that kind of goes into sales and marketing. And we felt like it's good to kind of go back and look at some of these principles, because if you're not familiar with Cialdini, he is a writer from actually the 80s and a person that has is really founded in sales and just marketing materials of old and I feel like sometimes as you know we are these digital marketers we kind of scrap those types of things or we don't pay attention to them we just look for infographics or you know whatever e-consultancy tells us but I think some of these old principles really hold true and can give us some good ideas on things that have really been established for a long time. People have been selling and trying to get business forever. And there's some things that really don't change. Maybe the methods do or the medium changes a bit, but really the principles and sometimes the psychology that's driving that really doesn't change that much. And, and I feel like there's a lot of good information sometimes out there that we discredit because it's, you know, that's on paperback, so it can't be real. <laughs> um, so anyways, we're getting back into principle number four, which is actually authority. And, and really the concept here, which it should be really nothing new for most people, is that people in general have the tendency to obey, you know, figures of authority. And sometimes whether they are questionable or maybe even their credentials are a little objectable. You know, a lot of studies have shown, you know, putting a doctor's endorsement on or certain kind of experts on products can really help push the, you know, the willingness to convert, whether that is, you know, a lead, maybe that's shopping things. 
and things of that nature. And I think as marketers, you know, what is our takeaway is really kind of last week we covered social proof. And I really feel like, you know, the authority aspect is kind of taking that to another level. You know, with social proof, we look for things like testimonials or what other people are saying about a product or a path for us to kind of engage with it. And we're more likely to do it. Um, and once we're committed, we're more likely to to stay with it once we're socially engaged. And I think authority really takes that to the next level and looking for not only that social proof, but really that authority figure to kind of help us get over the kind of uh, the qualms we might have or the uncertainty that we'd have over like a process or a path. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? This sort of reminds me of back in my affiliate marketing days, uh, mm-hmm. marketing informational, questionable content <laughs> books. Gray area, if you will. Yeah, you, you could say that. And let me be clear, I wasn't marketing them myself. Um, you know, this is just what everyone else was doing. I was in no way involved. <laughs> But a big thing a few years ago was, you know, putting testimonials from celebrities mm-hmm. and, I guess, TV personalities. So sure. Oprah, Dr. Phil. What's the latest guy is the doctor? Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz. On, God, he was on everything. Mm-hmm. Or probably still is. Sure. So, you know, all these diet pills and everything, they would mm-hmm. mention these, not the products themselves, but the fruits or whatever it was sure. on their show. Right. And then all of a sudden, all these affiliate scam marketers selling, you know, questionable products mm-hmm. would mention endorsements from Dr. Oz right. and Dr. Phil and Oprah and all these other people. And sales would skyrocket. Obviously, sure. this sort of stuff works. It, it got to the point where it was so bad where uh, I was actually watching Dr. Oz the other day. <laughs> I can't believe I just admitted this is, that. This is real talk air. with Robert. <laughs> I was I always have the TV on in the background when I work in the morning. So Dr. Oz was on. Whatever you have to do to convince um, yourself. <laughs> it's it's actually kind of shocking to watch the the level of BS coming out of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so at the end of his show, he had a disclaimer: um, "I do not endorse products." You know, <laughs> nice. like if you see website right. um, wrong, you know, saying that I'm endorsing something, like report it. Oh wow! Yeah, so um, it was an interesting thing because obviously that stuff works. You know, like sure. you're saying, um, endor- endorsements from doctors, uh, people mm-hmm. that are authority figures. That stuff works even so much that people are willing to lie about those endorsements. Right, and we actually saw kind of proof of this kind of authority figures last week. Actually, when we were talking about what is the B two B content that people uh, value the most, and the top rated one for uh, value was actually trade organizations or trade groups right. that have something to say about you. So there is something in this authority um, kind of realm that does really ring true with people. I will say one caveat to that, or one thing to keep in mind is when you look for authority figures to give product endorsements or to take comment on things, it can be very powerful. Like you said, Dr. Oz, uh, things of that nature. Um, but I would caution people that when you go for celebrity endorsements, just keep in mind that there is a fluid nature to celebrity. And mm. sometimes that can spell disaster or something that you have to manage in a negative way. You know, like I'm reminded of the Paula Dean incident that's happened right. as of recent. So, you know, sometimes getting these authority figures to chime in can cause you to have to manage a situation later on if that person is to come to fire under fire. And now you have to kind of look to either remove this or craft it in a way that's not going to also bring down your brand product, uh, whatever it might be. So just keep those in mind, but authority, really nothing new, but I think it is something that we need to keep in mind to have others endorse our products and to really help 
add to the credibility and value of the products that we have and, and that we're offering others. So you wanted to mention and talk about Mozilla real quick? Yeah, I think they issued some sort of uh, press release of some kind uh, recently here where they were talking about uh, their new Firefox, I guess, rollout is going to start blocking third-party cookies. So mm-hmm. back to basics, I guess, if you're not familiar sure. with much about how the Internet works, all the listeners out there. Um, Cookies are basically little text files that are thrown on your computer when you visit websites uh, to do all sorts of things, like know that you're logged into a website, Mm -hmm. um, put some tracking information, all sorts of things. And what oftentimes happens when you visit websites is third-party companies will have tracking software on these websites and Mm -hmm. install what are called third-party cookies, which are not from the website you're visiting, but from another third-party website. Um, these are used by all the huge advertising networks, Google AdSense probably being one of the largest, Mm -hmm. um, with their Google analytics stuff and all of those platforms, but all the major ones do this. Uh, it enables a lot of retargeting, custom targeting for ads, analytics collection, analytics collection. Yeah. So it enables all of those things. So Mozilla reporting that they're going to be disabling this by default in their browsers basically turns off Google analytics, Google AdSense a lot of ad networks, if this were to happen tomorrow, the internet would not function the way that people uh, see it functioning today. So I think, you know, what are the implications in terms of how is that going to affect the the industry? And I don't, you know, I think immediately, obviously it's going to change the way things are done now. I think though functionally that people are going to come up with a way to get around this. And Mozilla's sort of principle of why they're doing this is mm-hmm. to shut down all of these advertising companies who are keeping track of everyone as they move around the net. That and like the, you know, the new NSA stuff that's come out as right. well. I think that's kind of helped push this forward. Right. Absolutely. Everyone is so privacy and security conscious now. Um, but not when they walk into a real store and they're videotaped and things like that. Right. <laughs> or well, walking down the street. Yeah. So there's that. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people also don't take in consideration. I mean, being stayed logged into your sort of your Facebook account and then being able to interact like and like things all mm-hmm. over the internet, that is a very usable thing. And this will turn that off. Having the ability to stay logged into your Google account and mm-hmm. across multiple and services, Gmail is... and Google and all of these things, that will be turned off. Right. There's a lot of really necessary uses for this. Um, there are ways to get around them, but devs are going to have a long, hard road ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think there's going to be companies that kind of throw up the white flag and give up, but there's also going to be ones that look for ways around. You know, I know one that, you know, black hats have used for a long time is using flash cookies because yeah. when you clear out your cookies in a normal browser, it doesn't actually clear out your flash cookies. So it's a way for you to actually stuff in information and call it. Um, that is a little bit more persistent and a little bit more difficult to clear. So I think there's always going to be ways around it. I think what's going to end up happening probably long-term is standards will need to be established and, and people signed in, you know, under those umbrellas, which I feel like they've, they've already kind of started a while ago, but it will be interesting to, to kind of see what evolves from it because this, this is a major player Firefox. I mean, most of the sites I run is it's probably around like 20, 20 to 30 percent of people uh actually it's a little less than that it's like 18 to 20 percent of people on those sites that i uh, work on use firefox so it is big enough to matter but what what's going to be interesting is how people react to it you know we've seen where google has you know implemented the https policy which really wiped out a lot of organic seo information on the metric side of things 
you know, people kind of had to take it because it's Google. Well, Firefox isn't a little bit different of a boat than necessarily Google is. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how companies react to that and maybe doing browser detection and telling people that Firefox doesn't really work or what are the campaigns that are kind of come out from this, maybe anti uh, fireworks campaigns and things like that. It, it'll be just interesting to see how the, uh, really the, uh, the environment changes towards them and, and how people adopt this and take it. Yeah. I wonder how much it'll actually be implemented when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. If this is just sort of posturing by them and if sure. they actually go through with it. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, large websites who want to implement things like Google website tracking and AdSense and all of these other third-party tracking cookies can easily do so with, um, a server-side implementation sure. that just launches the cookie from their own domain, right. and you know can as long as a service allows them to do right. that. Right, mm-hmm. and so I know you mentioned Flash. The only drawback with that is mobile. Right, you don't get any of that stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, so also interesting little tidbit: any sort of Flash video you ever seen online, your computer probably has information on that. Clearing out your cache and all that stuff doesn't do it. Does not do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to go in. There's a separate way to clear out your mm-hmm. flash cookies. How many of you guys so, are doing that right <laughs> so now? There's a good little treasure trove in there of all the yeah. videos you've ever watched. So, okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of what, like you said, I mean, will Firefox actually go through it and what what's that going to really look like um, in the future? So... All right. There's a uh, article I was reading. I, th- I believe it was wordamount.org. The heart of the article was really kind of talking about it's really like the small things that make a difference. Uh, and I think it was really e-commerce generated. I think B2B really could take some takeaways as well. But they really uh, showcased a company that does, they're called Pensley's Spices. And really the whole point of the article to kind of distill it down into its simplest bits was they they showcase this company that ships spices everywhere. I don't I mean, I guess there's just some people in some places that don't have access to certain spices. But anyways, what they really highlighted was how ornate their packaging was. And they included like cinnamon sticks into the packaging. So when you opened it up, it, you know, it smelled like spices. And I was like, ooh, this is fancy. (laughs) And really the, the comment of it was the packaging, the small little things like adding in those cinnamon sticks so there's like an ambiance when you open up the package, that stuff really makes a difference and their customers actually talk about that. And that reminded me of a story of a long time ago I was looking, I don't know what, I kind of ADD on certain things on the internet and I get in this habit of researching things, probably I don't really need to, but anyways, I was researching air fresheners and I was reading on this forum that people love this Japanese air freshener. It's called like, I think it's something like a CX-9 air squash or something like that. People love it. That's very complicated. It's very complicated. I don't know why I remember that, but (laughs) anyways, so what was interesting though, is I was reading the, this forum where people were talking about how long lasting it was and things like that. But almost everyone also mentioned that with their package came this Japanese candy. They, I guess they threw, hmm. they, I ordered one and they threw in this like really small bag right. of like authentic Japanese candy. And people like went apeshit bananas over that. And like uh, everyone talked about it. And I think it's kind of a reminder to us, you know, what are the small things that we can do for customers that maybe they don't necessarily ask for, but have the potential to really raise their appreciation level, not only for us as a service, but for us as a people. And I think that going back to that example of Pensley Spices and, you know, the air squash air freshener, you know, I think that 
when you order spices, they're just spices. When you order an air freshener, yeah, it smells good, but it's an air freshener. You know, but it's those small things that get people maybe have a higher propensity to actually talk about their experience or like share things. You know, like when you look at the the box that these spices comes in, I could see some hipsters taking a picture on Instagram and like posting right. it on their Facebook because it looks that nice. Or, you know, someone in, in one of these forums taking a picture of the Japanese candy and sharing it. And so now you've created these customers that are so much more excited about their purchase and willing to share, even though your offering might not be that unique and it might just be a consumable good, but you've really gone the extra mile and I think made a lasting imprint into those people. Yeah, absolutely. I think another example that both you and I experience all the time, we order things from bodybuilding.com oh, yeah. and they always throw in a ton of goodies, mm-hmm. you know, be it pre-workout samples and protein samples and all these sure. other things. But I remember back in the day, you got so much more. Um, they'd throw in the latest Mach 20 50 blade razor, which, you know, retails for like $20 at the store or whatever. Um, they'd throw in like free magazines. Mm-hmm. They'd throw in like 10, 15 free samples, depending sure. on how much stuff you ordered. Now you still get some stuff. It's just mm-hmm. not as much. That's not as much. And honestly, there's a little bit of a letdown. Right. Well, you've come to like expect it too. Exactly. So that's something to keep in mind. You know, if you, if you do go down that road, Remember what you're kind of instilling in the customer and what they're kind of expecting and and what you might have to maintain in the long run uh, as well. You might want to be careful with with products that people order on a regular Mm -hmm. because now, you know, they've they've expected these things and that you almost have to sort of one up yourself every time they order. I think maybe more one or two or three off type purchases. It's okay to do those things. Once in a while surprises. Right. You, you get those once in a while surprises, like you're saying, and Mm -hmm. you get someone really excited about your brand, but it's something they're really only going to buy from you a couple of times. And it's really to make them really happy about the purchase. They'll recommend it to everyone. They'll hit it up Mm -hmm. on all the social networks. Like you said, Instagram and all those things. This, sort of also reminds me of, I remember back when the iPhones were huge. I mean, they're still big now, but there are all these videos on YouTube. People would videotape themselves unboxing their iPhone and taking it out of the package. And Mm -hmm. it was just the package itself and the experience was was so different and unique from everyone else. Right. It was like almost the reason why you bought the phone was just the stupid unboxing and unveiling of the phone and peeling the sticker off the screen. It was Mm -hmm. like, this magical event. Yeah, I know another one that I see a lot of pictures, I think it's on Reddit, is drawing on packaging mm, where people yeah. will take pictures of, you know, where they'll leave a comment like, draw me a dragon or whatever. Maybe it's it's Reddit, so it's probably a cat or <laughs> something like that, you know. And those types of things make a difference, you know. Yeah. Again, it's like, what are the small things that you can kind of instill? And, and most of the examples we're talking about here is e-commerce, but when it comes to, you know, B2B, there are certainly some other things that you can kind of take that as inspiration from and include as well. You know, maybe that's um, like giving a month away to one of your services that maybe is a higher tier or, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do. And I think, again, it's those small things um, that really make the difference. Or maybe you mail them something like Mm. the candy or something like that, just out of the blue. I wasn't expecting it. Um, but this is like really cool and I'll, I'll tell someone else about it. So a handwritten note. Wow. Oh, that would be wow. amazing in yeah. this day and age. Can you still read handwritten notes? I think I'd have to uh, really struggle. I can't handwrite notes myself. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I can read them. up. <laughs> also don't know where my mailbox is, but <laughs> uh, your neighbors do <laughs> As a side story. Rob had some uh, sticky fingered neighbors that would steal his packages every once in a while. Yeah, well, so... I wouldn't say steal. They would 
browse the contents of and then return them to your door. Right, pick and choose the things they liked. Uh, turns out they didn't like anything I had. It was, it was probably too upper class for them. Right. They gave it back. So anyways, all right, so moving on. So keep in mind, I want to go back to that point because I think it really does make the difference, especially if you're in an industry where you're not selling unique things. The small things do make a difference and can really increase your customer appreciation. Keep that in mind. It does make a difference. So reinventing the wheel of marketing. I hear this a lot yeah. when I'm in meetings. You know, we talk about, well, our competitor does this. So how can we do things like extra different or how can we like totally reinvent things? Um, and I think that there's some dangers there. I think you were bringing up some good points about that when we were talking about it earlier. Yeah, on. you know what's actually surprising to me? I see a lot in meetings, not so much that people are actually even talking about their competitors. I, oh, I see true. a lot of not even talking about what everyone else Can't is doing. Mention their names in this building. Well, it's it. I don't. It's some of that I know for sure, but it's also a lot of just sort of ignorance and maybe ignoring them because we don't think they're as good as we right. are. They're beneath us, or just even forgetting that in this sort of silo of we need to do marketing testing mm -hmm. that you can use inspiration from other websites what are other people doing as building blocks and build from there and improve from there you don't need to take whatever your current process is and crash it to the ground and completely rebuild it as a test sure you can copy what everybody else is doing it, what i mean it's or make it, it better it may be but working not for them your, yeah, yeah i mean you don't have to copy directly but use style elements from other websites marketing mm -hmm. messages from other websites that are your competitors those things may be working really well, and you know, testing those things is a lot much quicker implementation sure. than completely reinventing something mm -hmm. that uh, you know, even in some industries, is probably a detriment. You know, e-commerce. There are certain ways that people expect shopping carts to work, mm -hmm. product pages to look, right. checkout pages to be laid out. There are certain things people have come to expect, and if you burn to the ground whatever it is your your standard checkout process is, and you completely revamp it it may be confusing sure. for everyone who's trying to use it. Yeah, I mean, depending on where you're at with your business, you might have to do like dual work at that point. You're you're trying to convince people to convert, but you're also having to instruct them on how to convert and yeah. try to lead them along this path and taking something that might have been maybe not optimally intuitive, but now we're going with something that's really out of the box and in an effort to innovate we're going beyond the bounds of what people are accustomed to. And so now they're trying to hunt to how to complete and, and how to progress. We might have to kind of help them along. And like I said, we're kind of doing dual duties at that point. We're trying to convert people and do our main task, but we're also having this now secondary priority that we have in helping people understand what, what they actually need to do. Um, so I think that you got to be wary of that. And you know, I think there is, I respect the innovation mindset and I have that, that I always have to combat in myself and trying to always, I feel like a lot of people just do things poorly, but also, like you said, people like standardized things. They, they like things that they come accustomed to. And a lot of things online have a certain flow and a certain way of doing things. And I think, you know, unfortunately, we have to respect that until, you know, either someone kind of bites the bullet and pushes people into a different path. But I think a lot of us in our businesses aren't at the level to be able to do that. I think right. that unfortunately, it takes big companies like Apple or Google or Amazon or some of these really large companies that have such brand loyalty and reach to kind of push the bounds a bit 
that we can kind of reap the benefits. And I think that we can do it a bit. Um, we can kind of slowly train our users to, to, to do things a little bit differently. But I think we do have to be cognizant of how far we kind of take that. So again, I think it's good that we look to reinvent ourselves and how can we do things better. But like you said, I think you know competitive research and what others are doing in our space can sometimes lend us some good test ideas and not necessarily having to uh, to really kind of blow everything up and just start all over. So. Yeah, and, you know, I think everyone in their optimization um, sort of strategies or even not even really optimization, just creating marketing pages and, and messaging for anything they're trying to do for their websites <clears throat> come across sort of interesting or unique, at least to them, problems where, okay, how do I present this sort of offer or how do I give these people the option to buy X different things? It's kind of complex. It's not just a straightforward buy button. I think everyone runs into these problems. I think the solution though is not to try to, you know, come up with the way to do it on your own. I mean, no, I feel like almost no matter what you're doing online, someone has done something similar to that. Mm-hmm. And you should think sort of, I don't I hate saying outside the box, but outside the box in terms of maybe someone's not doing exactly what I'm doing but they may be someone in a different industry that has a similar sort of problem that they have to help visitors through mm-hmm. a sort of process that's similar to mine. Let's see how they're doing it. Right. How are they doing it? And does that make sense? And now I have a building block to sort of maybe make mine a little easier. Or to you see like the holes in it. It's like, yeah. you know, that's a building block, but I see where people would struggle. And maybe I even find cases of people actually talking about where they're struggling as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would totally agree. All right, so for wrapping up this episode, we're trying to keep them a bit short because we have some goodies on the way for you listeners, and we'll keep a little shh on that until they're ready, but we have some goodies coming uh, on our website, so stay tuned to the beardedmarketers.com. We do have some good things coming. So you'll see some changes on the podcast uh, coming down the pipe. We're trying to keep them a little bit shorter, tighter content, uh, because we have a lot of good uh, content that's on its way from the for the website. So wrapping up the episode, we wanted to touch on this James Gandolfini passing because Amazon actually ran into some trouble with this over the last couple of days when they passed, they had a Facebook post that really talked about it's unfortunate that James is no longer with us. If you're not familiar with James Gandolfini, he was the lead in the Sopranos and did a bunch okay. of movies and a bunch of different things around acting, whether that's plays or I think he also did some other TV shows. But anyways, they had a post on their Facebook talking about how unfortunate was his passing. And they actually had a link to, I think it was like a James Gandolfini collection or all the, they built like a landing page with all his, you know, works. And there was some serious backlash on the social Uh, media channels about that and really i mean it is pretty poor taste i mean it's it's a little bit fresh of a wound to already try to start monetating in that uh direct of a fashion i guess so to say um and a lot of people had a lot of problems with that and were very vocal about it which i mean i guess you you did pick social to try to blast that message anyway so that's kind of on you um but i do remember reading some of the comments talking about people being ashamed that they're you know, face or uh, yeah. Amazon customers. I have a, I have like a couple that. of them right here. If you want, to. I'll, I'll sure, go through go a couple ahead, of yeah. them. Yeah. So, uh, a quote: "I'm ashamed to be an Amazon shopper and Kindle user right now. Mm-hmm. It was in poor taste. This is a real person, not a promotional <laughs> opportunity. Mm-hmm. And one more: stay classy, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. That's a good <laughs> that's... But uh, I mean, we brought that up because 
you know, I think that we have to kind of be careful of, you know, in this social world and an effort to kind of stay in front of customers, sometimes staying quiet or staying simple is, is best. And I think that, you know, there's probably a lot of lessons to be learned here, whether that's looking at your social media policies, who kind of like reviews this content before it comes out, but still staying agile enough to have a personality. There's a lot to, to be gleaned here, but be careful and overusing your social media and always trying to have a voice and stay in front of people because it can have a, quite a bit of detriment to it. So just keep that in mind as, as we look to try to navigate these social waters and, uh, and do good with what we have. So that's going to wrap it up for episode number 14 of the Bearded Marketers. This is Robin Corey. Give us a call with your ideas for our next show, 904-270-9603, or you can text us. What are you struggling with? What would you like us to cover? Again, a reminder, if you could review, rate us on iTunes, it helps tell a friend. And again, send us in your concerns, your struggles, your comments. And until next week, this has been Robin Corey at the Bearded Marketers. 